You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So, I feel really grown up this morning. Uh, I'm preaching on a Sunday morning. Normally, I'm the, the, the nighttime guy. Um, and and so, so, this week, I was super concerned about what I was going to wear. Um, and so, um, I sent Pastor Tessa pictures of a, of a shirt. Um, I sent Glory pictures. I sent Glory shopping. I said, babe, I want to look like an adult. And then I've realized that Glory's like, hey, that shirt doesn't hang right. And I was like, all I heard was, you have a dad bod now. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, that wounds me deeply. That, that, that wounded me. It, it bothered me. And, and, and so right now we're in the sermon series called The Future is Family. Family is Future. And so I'm actually going to preach about love this morning. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen, public service announcement. Hallmark movies are not love. And I say that from like a place of I've watched every Hallmark movie. I'm like, they're all the same. The young co-ed, is she going to find love before New Year's Eve? Yes, she does every time. Every time. And there's so many made-up kingdoms. Moldova, is the prince going to find his crown jewels? Yes, he's going to find them. Because Netflix, you already told me there's three more princes than that from Moldova. And so he obviously is going to be the king. Television has, has really shaped the way we see love. It's actually shaped the way we see everything. I mean, I remember, like I'm a dad now. I've got two daughters. And so on television, when children are born, they come out clean, looking three months old like Gerber babies. Let me tell y'all, when babies are born, they look like aliens. Nine pound, two ounce, baby Yodas. And please, 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 listen. I, I believe in integrity. If you have a baby, don't show me pictures and ask me what I think. Because yes, that child may be attractive in the future, but right now, that's an alien. And I owe it to you to keep it real. I wanted to talk about love this morning because I feel that we have an unrealistic expectation about what love is. We see these movies and we think love is fairy tale and romance, and it is all those things. You can't find the love of your life, but, but also love can be traumatic. The lack of love can be traumatic. It, all, it, all, it goes hand in hand. Because in order to love somebody or to be loved, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be open. You have to be honest about how you feel. You have to be able to say things like, hey, that wounded me deeply. Hey, that bothers me when you do those things. And we all have traumas. We all have these experiences in our lives that make us put on these lenses, and we see everything through traumatic lenses. And so the title of my message this morning is Post-Traumatic Love Disorder. I'm probably going to need another water. I'm just not the idea. So today I want to talk about what the, lo- what the Bible says love is. Not what the world tells you love is. If you come with me to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's, easily, it's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always, always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. That's textbook Bible. But unfortunately, that's not the love that most of us have experienced. Most of us have been hurt by people who told us they loved us. Whether that came through mental, physical, emotional, sexual abuse, we've all been there. Like, we all have these lenses on. You know, we all have one point in time in our life that feel unwanted, unloved, unappreciated. I'm no different. Trauma has shaped the entire way I love or the entire way I used to not love or not be able to feel love or to express love. And so the, the first point this morning is trauma stops us from receiving love. You know, I, ha- I have a very interesting background, a very checkered past. I'll start with my mom was 17 when she gave birth to me. My dad was 34. Dysfunctional. Unwanted. My mom is Caucasian. My dad is African-American. And so when my mom found out she was pregnant, she went to her mom and her mom said, I want nothing to do with those black children. My grandfather, I want nothing to do with those black kids. So born into an environment feeling unloved. Because actually the things you speak while your child's in a womb, they can hear. And that is actually speaking into their future. That's why you'll see later on that that literally trauma can be passed genetically through the womb. So everyone told my mom, we don't want to be a part of their lives. We don't want to be around. And so guess what? My mom finds a new boyfriend and it's bad for his image to have black children around. He's a white guy, and so my mom abandons us. She leaves us with a next-door neighbor and, wa- and disappears. And I just w- I'm going to talk a little bit about my relationship with my mom this morning, but I want you to understand that I'm doing that from a position of victory, not victim. And I, I want you to understand something, that I'm not going to be dishonoring. I'm not going to be dishonoring towards my mom because I've had these conversations with her. And it's not dishonoring to speak truth. So I just want to go there first. And I want you to understand that this is not an attack, but this is truth revealed. You know, so my mom disappears. Eventually she came back. Eventually she came back. But I don't actually remember a time from the time I was 18 or from the time I was born until the time I was 18 where my mom set me down and said, yo, Jeff, I love you. I appreciate you for who you are, not for what you do. I appreciate that, that, that you were born, that you're my son, that you're my child. You being born to me is enough. Never heard those words. And so I'm getting ready for this sermon. And this has been a hard sermon to write. Normally the Holy Spirit gives me a revelation and I'm like, yep, I know what I'm preaching about. Put a bow on it. Blah, 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 blah. Here we go. I'm going to drop, you know, we're going to do this thing. And the Holy Spirit's like, I actually need you to walk this message out. I need you to understand that I'm sending you on a mission to show people what love truly is, not what, not what they think it is, but what love truly is. And so uh, I never had a relationship with my mom. I still don't have a relationship with my mom. She's been married seven times, and I just made a decision that I'm going to live functionally, and I'm not going to allow dysfunction to mess with my family, and so I don't have a relationship with my mother, but that, that, 
And I, I would love to say that that's been like easy. Like I just cut my mom off. I don't talk to her. That's a wound. That's a wound that I've carried with me up until recently. In Psalms 22.9, it states, yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. That means our moms are who teach us trust. Our moms are who teaches us to trust when somebody says something. When somebody says, I love you, for you actually to, to believe it. Our mothers are our nurturers. Fathers bring identity and justice. Mothers teach us tr truth. And so if you've never had someone nurture you, if you never actually were coddled as a child, how do you experience love? How do you experience the love of the Bible if like, that's not the love you've ever felt? The Bible says that we all crave love from the very existence. But the word love describes the vastly differing degrees of intensity. And there's actually four different types of love. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to break them open real quick, do a little quick teaching about them. The first type of love in the Bible is storge. It's a Greek word. And that means familiar love. It means the love that, that a mother has for her children or the love that a, uh, a brother has for a sister or a sister has for a brother. It's, it's the love that a father has for his children. And so a lot of us never actually experience that love in its full capacity. You love, you, you might have said, they might have said they loved you, but did their actions line up? The things they said to you were just words, but the actions were showing them that they, they didn't truly love you. Many examples that can be found in, in scripture about this familiar love, the store J love. If we look at Noah and his wife, and how they took care of their children. You look at Jacob's love for his son. And you even look at Martha and Mary. When they cried out to Jesus, Jesus, you're late. Lazarus is already dead. That's the love of a family. The first love that we ever experienced in our lives. And so if you don't experience that love, it's extremely hard for you to deal with, to receive any of the rest of the loves I'm about to talk about. The second type of love I want to talk about is phileo. Phileo is how we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's how we love our brothers. That's how we love our fellow Christians. That's how we love people in this room. That's how we actually go about and do this Christian walk. It's through this kind of love. But once again, if you've never experienced the love of a mother or a father, that's going to be hard for you to love a brother. It's going to be hard for you to love people correctly. Because when you love a brother, I can confide in a brother. I can confide in them. I, if I trust you and I actually believe you love me, I can tell you things. I can be open and honest and real with you and transparent if I actually feel you love me. But if you don't feel like someone's loving you, it's impossible for you to receive from them. Because anything anybody says to you, even if it's for your own benefit, sounds like an attack. It doesn't matter what they say. 
Hey, that's a great car. Oh, they'll probably think that I paid too much for my payment. I mean, automatic trigger. Automatic trigger. The third kind of love I want to talk about, and Christians get weird with this one. It's Eros love. Eros love, it's the one that's around, illustrates sexual attraction. Physical desire towards others. And it's biblical. Like God wants you to be attracted to your spouse. He wants you to like want to make love. That's actually where making love came from is this type of, this type of love. The problem is we've gotten to this place in society where Eros, we skipped the first two, and now Eros is the one we want. So what Eros, here's what Eros does to the young ladies, okay? I'm going to just, what Eros does to young ladies, they didn't have the first kind. They didn't have Storge. They didn't have Phileo. And so what happens is we skip right to the third one. Because my dad never told me he loved me. My mom never told me he loved me. But if I have sex with somebody, that's showing me love. Eros love is the reason why so many of our young women lose their innocence in the backseat of cars to some knucklehead. When that actually is something that should be saved for marriage. And I'm preaching from this. Like, Glory was not, I mean, Glory was not the first woman that I had sex with. Do I wish she was? Yes. Because when you start reading the Bible, you start to realize that, yes, God wants us to have that kind of love. He wants us to be, to be attracted to our spouses. We live in this generation where it's like, yo, love is love. No, it's not. Within the boundaries of marriage, this type of love can be enjoyed and appreciated. And it should be. These people who tell you, oh, it's okay if you guys have a sexless marriage, just stay together. That's dangerous. Yeah. Men, I'm going to hook you up real quick. <laughs> Ladies, this is how men feel connected. It's how they feel intimate with you. And so we, get, we, we live in this pattern where, oh, he only wants this from me. But he's actually crying out saying, no, like, I need this from you to feel close to you. I need this for you to make sure that we're, that we're one, that we're connected. You're welcome. But caveat. In Proverbs 5, 18 through 19, it says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife, say the wife, the wife. of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast, say her breast, her breast, fill you all the time with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Wow. Okay. Hers. Not her friend, not her cousin, not any of that. Her love. For me, this is easy. I, I, I help run our men's ministry. And so when I see a 60-year-old man with a 30-year-old wife, I'm like, where is your bride from your youth? 
you think we're patting you on the back, but really we're going home to a woman that's been with us for 30 years, 40 years, and we've walked through life together. And that's intimacy you can't find through Eros love. Eros love will not sustain you without the rest of them. And then here's the big one. The last one is agape love. Agape. Agape is the highest form of these types of love in the Bible. The term defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. It is divine love that comes from God. Agape love is perfect, unconditional, sacrificial, and pure. Agape love, loving people unconditionally. It sounds great in theory, but we're human beings, right? I can't love somebody if they've wronged me. I can't love my wife and, 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 and fix our marriage if she's wronged me. I can't do those things because I'm human, right? Like I should just let, I should, oh, I should be upset with them. Unconditional love. That's how these couples are married 50 years. Yeah. Glenn and McWilson, they had their 50th celebration not too long ago. 50 years. That's unconditional love. But we don't experience unconditional love. We've never been in a society right now where there is so much divorce. For the first time in human history, more marriages are getting divorced than they are staying married. And it's big business. You guys see the signs on the highway. Call such and such Miranda, men, protect yourselves. Men, you want to protect yourselves? Women, you want to protect your marriage? Read the Bible. I'm going to get into some testimony here in a few minutes, but I want to, I'm going to unpack agape love. When, after the resurrection, Jesus asked the apostle Peter if he loved him, and he asked him in agape language, do you like unconditionally love me, Peter? And Peter responds in phileo love, like, yes, I phileo love you, which means I love you like a brother. And so the Holy, the Holy Spirit was not on Peter at that time. Because you can only experience agape love when you, when you were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so after Pentecost, when Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, now he can talk about agape love. Now he understands agape love. But before that, without the Holy Spirit, you can't... Un, you, listen, I wanted to be a prison chaplain when I first got started. I was going to be the military chaplain or a prison chaplain or... And, and my human side said, these are the lowest of low. I can't pastor them. And that's because my walk wasn't right. The Holy Spirit hadn't filled me up to the brim. I couldn't, I couldn't explain unconditional love. I couldn't explain. I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't even think about it. And so we talk about love. Love is the, love is the most powerful emotion. Love can make you feel like you're nine feet tall. Love can make you accomplish great feats. You see it all the time on the news. Mother flips over a minivan to save her baby. And I'm like, check her for steroids. (laughs) Or father grabs a child and takes a few gunshots to the back at a bank robbery. He shouldn't be alive, but he did it to save his kids. So love can make you do amazing things. But love can also make you do terrible things. 
For Christians, love is, love is the most powerful emotion. Because when we, when we love and are loved, we're the closest to God because the Bible says God is love. God is love. It's the truest form. Can you love somebody when they've wronged you? Love is one of those things that we've all had traumatic experiences, right? We talked about it. We've talked about I was abused as a child. I never felt love. I never felt appreciated. And so what happens is, is if my emotions are a river, I build dams in the river to stop myself from expressing those emotions. To, talk, to stop myself from being vulnerable, to stop myself from saying something to somebody like, hey, I'm a young boy crying out like, yo, somebody please just love me. Somebody please tell me I matter. Somebody please tell me they care. And I'm, I'm a young man, and, and so what do I do? I act out. I act out for attention. I act out because I just, just even if it's bad love, I need it. If I act out in school and I get spanked or beat at home, at least I know they, they somewhat care or uh, at least they're showing me some kind of attention. At least they're showing me that, that, that yeah, I, may, I might be doing something wrong, but uh, maybe they do care. Point number two is trauma stops us from loving others. Yeah. I never dealt with any of these problems I'm talking to you guys about. I never dealt with, with not being loved, not being appreciated, not being wanted. I never dealt with it, and then I get married. Glory had no idea what she was getting into. I remember early on in our marriage, Glory would do things to show me she loved me. She would bring me food at work. She would say things, and I love you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, you love that I provide for you. You love that I pay the bills. You love that you have a roof over your head. But uh, my mom told me that I'm unlovable, and so there's no way you can love me. I'm unlovable. My past is telling me that, like, I have no worth and I can't be loved. And the devil's listening right here. It's always going to be this way. Yeah. You, no one wants you. No one cares for you. And so what happens? I become my own false prophet. It's always going to be this way. It's always going to happen like this. And so as I'm doing that, I'm digging a pit. It's always going to be that way. It's always going to be like this. And so what happens is now it does not matter what glory does or says, it's never enough because I'm operating in a deficit and I have a, I'm married to a woman who's trying to fill a deficit that's not hers to fill because the Bible says that Jesus is the only one that can heal a broken heart. And so we, we, we get married and we have all these, these, these revelations in marriage and we think that Okay, I wasn't loved as a kid, so I'm going to have a kid and then just show that kid love. Or, or, or I, I saw my mom get divorced a lot, so I'm just going to get married, and that's going to solve all my problems. 
But that's not true. That's not how we experience love. That's not real. There is nobody in this room. Married couples, dating, want to date, the creepy guy that talks to all the girls. Um, (laughs) There's nobody in this room that can actually fill that void for you. Stop looking for your wife to fill the void that God needs to heal. Stop looking for your husband to fill the void. And if if I was 100% authentic, I was hell to be married to. Glory and I would have an issue and I would just disappear. I invented the term ghosting. I'm serious. Glory and I were arguing. Her dad flew to town to meet me and I disappeared. Popped up six months later. Oh, that's too heavy. It's real. So I just disappeared. And so every time we would fight, I know you're going to listen. My past says you're going to, my past says you're going to abandon me. And so I'd rather not be abandoned. So I was just, I'm going to remove myself from the situation. Because my past says that I can't be loved and you're going to leave anyway. So let me make it easy for you. And so I'm going to walk away and go deal with my trauma on my own. Some of you guys may know this. Like I have a suicide attempt. And I'll never forget the night it happened because glory came to where I was living at the time. And I'm sitting in a lawn chair in my front yard. And Glory's standing next to me, and she's screaming, I love you. Let's work this out. Let's make this happen. And in my head, I'm thinking, no, you don't actually love me. Everyone who's ever said that to me has disappeared. So there's no way you can stay here with me. And then that night, I tried to commit suicide. Because it's, it's difficult for men to be like, yo, I need to be loved. Like, I need to feel love. I can't, I can't stand up here and say, yo, I am hard as they come. I'm not. Like, I'm emotional. Like, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Like, I, for the first time, like three weeks ago, I finally told Glory, like, yo, you wounded me. Never before, because I know she loves me. Unconditionally. So I, I'm free to say that, like, you hurt me. I was being emotional, but you did hurt me. Some of y'all are emotional in here. Get out of your head. Y'all talking about like, oh, Jeff's emotional, but not me. Get out of here. Get out of here. I see some of y'all cry about losing a merge conference. Some of y'all are emotional. Talking about, Pastor Jeff, the games are rigged against us. No, you, your team's soft. So as I, I went on like this, this, this journey, like God, like, ah, okay, I need you to heal every trauma that I have. And then the Holy Spirit started highlighting things. And I was like, that's too much, God. Like that's, that's, can we do it like a little bit at a time? And God's like, no, no, you, you, let's deal with it right now. And so the, 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 the main thing that we run into is Like, there's a lot of us who have love deficits, who have said these things to ourselves that, like, we're unlovable, no one cares about us, and a lot of it is from our parents. 
Some of us had really great parents. Some of us had no parents. But if you're a parent in here today, like, yo, don't, okay, you've never told your kids you love them before. That's fine. Great. Today, I want you to go to kids' church, pick them up, take them out, and say, hey, I love you. I love you not when you perform. I go to, I went to a basketball game for some kids one day, and I'll never, like, not too long ago, and I'll never forget this kid getting subbed out of the game. And before his dad said anything positive, his dad just laid into him. And I was like, man, I hope he's, I hope he's telling me he loves him nearly as much as he's tearing him down right now. Because if not, that's going to be a traumatic experience that I really don't want, think you want to deal with later on down the road. It's okay to grieve your past. Like, it's okay. Awakened Church is a great place to grieve your past. Yeah. Yeah. Pastor John said I was on his Emerge team, and real quick, quick plug. Um, I told Pastor John we were going to get 100 Emerge registrations today. Uh, right now we have 47, so there's a table out there if you want to go ahead and get started. Uh, I just want to throw that out there. The reason you have to grieve your trauma of love is because actually what happens if you don't is you're never going to be in an imperfect relationship, right? And people are like, well, I don't want an imperfect relationship. Here's the thing. Every relationship is imperfect. Yes, Glory and I had a dysfunctional marriage. It's still not perfect. But here's the thing. When she says things to me now, I don't hear my mom. She's laughing. That was an interesting argument. I'll preach about that some other time. But. And here's the thing. So we don't deal with our trauma. We don't deal with our past. We don't deal with it. And so we go to date or we get married. And then the person we date or marry unknowingly has to try to fight for us to feel like they love us. Like they have to do extra things because we're so broken. And instead of like just coming to the cross, God... I know you sent your son to die on the cross. You love the world. We are the world. We are the ones he loved. And so it's actually dishonoring to God when you say you're unlovable. Because he sent his only son. I love all y'all in here, but listen, I got two girls. There is not a chance I'm sending any of them to the cross for y'all. Just want to throw that out there. If I get to heaven and God's like, hey, Jeff, I wanted you. I was like, yo, you didn't provide a ram in the thicket. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And I wish I could say that like grieving all the trauma from my childhood was like this easy journey. Like God was like, and I was healed. And I was, but it's a journey. It's like, I can come down here to the altar call here in a little bit. And yes, you're saved, but conversion takes a second. Like you got to walk that out. Different levels. I thought I had dealt with all the trauma recently, and God's like, hey, actually, but we forgot about this thing. And I was like, but I don't want to deal with that right now. And don't think that God's going to drop all this trauma you need to deal with right now. God is going to have you deal with issues and trauma at a pace and level that you can control. It's like money. 
okay? I, the, the, the love of God and grace is, and, and breakthrough and healing and everything is, here's the thing. When people win the lottery, most of them are broken in jail because they didn't slowly build that money and build principles and foundations and things to say, keep that money. It's the same thing with breakthrough. I have to, I've received breakthrough, but now I have to walk it out. I have to experience the triggers because I have triggers that set me off. I'll give you an example. I was abused as a child. I was beaten. And so glory would come and try to wake me up in the middle of the night. And I would freak out because when I was a child, I was woke up with fists and kicks. And so I would wake up ready to fight. And it was like a night where glory has justice and they come running the room because justice won't stop throwing a fit. And I get up and I'm ready to go. And the Holy Spirit's like unresolved issues, unresolved trauma. I think that we're in this position today. And the, 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 the last point I want to make and, and is trauma is generational. Trauma can actually be passed through the womb to your children. But it doesn't have to. Like you can be the curse breaker. You can be the example. And being the example is very hard. I had to cut my family off. I had to tell them like, hey, I, I, I can't deal with y'all. Because y'all are not willing to walk the healing and trauma. We all went through the same things. But they make fun of me. Oh, you and God. Oh, you and that church. Oh, you and this. Oh, you and that. But I look at my life and I look at theirs. So I talked to you guys about my mom. My mom's been married seven times because her dad never showed her love. And so what does she do at 17? She gets married to a man that's twice her age, dysfunctional, broken. She's had other kids besides the three with my dad, and there's other children and stepkids and weird half-siblings. And there's, I've got siblings I've never even met before because not only did my dad do that with my mom, my dad had issues, obviously, and he did it with several other women. And so, I think here, I think because here's the thing, dads, dads, you pass who you are to your sons. And so I think when I'm like a teenager, early 20s, I think, well, I must need to be with a lot of women because that's how my dad was a man. I think I need to be something I'm not because that's what, that's what manhood was. That's what it was. And so anyway, I digress. So um, my mom married seven times, and, and recently my grandfather died. I never met him because he couldn't stand the fact that I have darker skin than him. So I never met him. And I'll never forget my, the story I was told about my mom, uh, 50 years old. She's 50 years old, and, and her dad is dying. They haven't spoken in 20 years. My mom turns up at the hospital and is sitting next to the bed at 50 years old. Just saying, Dad, do you love me? Dad, do you care about me? She never got it. 
She never got his love. She never felt his love. But she was there for three weeks as his body was riddled with cancer. He's vomiting, he's throwing up, he's doing all these things, but she's right there. My mom's a nurse, so my mom's like cleaning him up and fixing, put, like nursing him back to health just for an Atta girl. He disappeared when she was young, but no, but, we, but she needed that. She needed to see that all those men that she was married to, it was a lie. She needed to see that my dad loved me and I just, I, I processed it wrong. She needed to feel that, but she never did. And so what happens is she leaves the hospital and has been married twice since then because she never got to feel the love of a father. She never got to feel what it meant to be loved, to be appreciated for who you are. My mom passed that to me, but that's not who I am. Your parents might've passed that to you, but that's not who you are. There are people in this room right now and, and you felt unloved. You felt unappreciated. You felt like someone who said they loved you, they let you down. You're like, Pastor Jeff, I never experienced that kind of love. I don't, I don't even know what that is. There's people in the room right now that you, you're like, I, I, I don't need love. I can't even fathom love. The situation I'm in tells me I'm not lovable. The situation I'm in, no one cares. Undealt with trauma. Undealt with trauma says, I didn't get invited to that party, they must not love me. I wasn't included on accident by an email, so they must not care for me. That's undealt with trauma that forces us to become this victim. We, we are this victim that, 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 that walks around bruised and, and bleeding all over everybody because we haven't literally given God the time to heal us. Because I know, yes, I've said great things today. Thank you, yes. But there's nothing that I say on this pulpit that actually sets you guys free. There's nothing your spouse says to you that sets you free. In Isaiah 61.1, it says... The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release the darkness for the prisoners. <laughs> Feeling unloved is a prison that God is trying to break you out of. If you'll give him an opportunity. So right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, There are people in here today and you've never experienced the love of God. You actually don't have a relationship with God. You don't have a relationship with your heavenly father. You, 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 maybe you were once far from God. Maybe you once were close to God, but now you're far away. And you feel a nudging right now in your spirit. You feel a nudging right now. God saying, hey, I want to have a relationship with you. He's saying, I love you, that agape love, the unconditional love that only God can give you. Maybe, maybe, maybe right now in your seat, you're feeling, you're feeling your heart beating fast. You're feeling like, almost like someone's trying to pull you out of the chair. That's the Holy Spirit going after you saying, hey, I want a relationship with you if you'll only have a relationship with me. So right now, if that's you in here, can you just raise your hand so I can see you? 
Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I see your hand. Once I see your hand, you can put it down. Thank you so much. Thank you. God loves you. Right now in heaven, they're rejoicing. In heaven, the angels are rejoicing, saying, hey, hey, we got him. Hey, he's finally turned to us. He's tried every other thing except for us, but now he's, it's God's like, hey, now we can do something. So right now, I feel like there were more people. I feel like there are more people who, who are like, well, if I raise my hand, thank you very much. If I raise my hand, my husband's going to think that he, I don't love him. If I raise my hand, my wife is going to think I don't love her. But I, right now, God wants to restore that relationship. So if that's you right now, please raise your hand. Thank you so much. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. Hands going up all over the place. Thank you. Thank you. God loves you. So right now, right now, I'm going to do one more. I'm going to do one more because I don't want you to miss this moment. I don't want you to miss this moment. All the love and everything I talked about is great, but it first comes with a relationship with God. And so I'm going to give, I'm going to give you guys one more chance. I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, if that's you, raise your hand. So one, I see your hand. Two, I see your hand. And three, I see your hand. Thank you. Hands going up all over the place. Hands going up all over the place. So if you would do me a favor, if you could just stand to your feet. Everybody, if you could just stand to your feet. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna say a prayer together. And we're going to declare who God is. We're going to declare that he's, your, he's, your, he's the author of your life. So right now, if you repeat after me, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that I could have life and life more abundantly. Amen. Right now, before you leave, before you leave, this is a moment for people. So before you leave, I'm going to pray over people. I want you to raise your hand right now if you've never experienced love, if you feel unloved. I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up because we're going to pray as a church. And we're going to press into that because I feel like there's an anointing in here right now to shift that spirit and break that chain. And I believe that right now we're going to, we're going to break people out of prison cells. We're going, to, we're going to break the back of bondage and yokes. So right now, if that's you, if you need to feel love, if you need to feel like God loves you, if, you need, if you've never experienced that right now, raise your hand. Hands going up. Hands going up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's okay. I know it's weird and nervous to put your hand up, but right now, if you're around those people, and if you know that somebody should have raised their hand, but they didn't, go ahead and lay your hands on them right now. We're gonna, I'm going to pray, and we're going to corporately agree that, that, that every lie the enemy told you that you're unlovable, every lie the enemy told you that you have no worth, every lie of the enemy that says you're unappreciated is broken right now in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I declare this morning right now that these are your children, God. You love them and you've set them free, God. God, I bind the lie of the enemy. I bind the lie that they are not, they have no worth. I bind the lie. You right here, you right here in the, in the flannel shirt right there. You are loved. God has been waiting for you. The things that happened to you have no deterrent to how God feels about you. In this next season, you are going to feel love and experience love, but not you're going to experience all four. Is that your husband right there next to you? Right now, I'm declaring right now, you guys are going to see a new level of love in your marriage. I declare right now that brokenness, that generational curses are broken off you in Jesus' name. There is going to be a restoration that comes to you. I, I, don't, I can't see you, but I believe that you right there, there are generational things that have been spoken over you that God is going to restore right now. 
that right now, right now, that right now, there's healing right now. There's healing towards you. All the lies of the enemy are over right now in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I declare in your name, God, that we would be a church that not only loves God, but a church that is loved, Lord. I declare right now that people are leaving here and they're making those phone calls. They're having those difficult conversations and saying, hey, I, this is how I need to be loved. This is how I need to be appreciated. This is who I am. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.